Can you imagine sitting in the pub chatting with your mates only to be interrupted by ads? Well, unfortunately, that does happen here at the Homebrew Pub because we're just trying to keep the lights on. However, if you would like to support us directly and get access to ad-free episodes of the Homebrew Pub, please head on over to our Patreon. You can find a link to that on our website, thehomebrewpub.com, and join our mug club. Again, our website, thehomebrewpub.com. I'll see you in the pub after the next couple of ads. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Homebrew Pub, the only pub in existence where every beer on tap is made by a homebrewer. And on this ethereal plane, the Homebrew Pub will turn into the guest brewer's perfect brew pub. So please come in, grab a stool, and grab a pint. This week at the pub, I have a very special guest who I'm very, very excited about and try not to fanboy too hard, so I apologize right now. Um, we have Sarah Flora. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. So yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> um, so obviously you have like your very famous story about how you got started brewing. Um, what I really want to know is, I mean, I've been brewing for, I think, eight or nine years now. And only really just started like the podcast on it. At what point in like your homebrewing were you like, I could make some killer content with this stuff? It kind of started out of nowhere. So my Instagram was all like my artwork because I'm a painter in a past life. Um, and then I just slowly kind of started transitioning to um like photos of like homebrewing and the process and whatnot and um it actually got a lot more traction than my artwork did so i was like well obviously there's a niche for this right yeah um and then so i built up a following on instagram and i got to a point where i was like well there's only so much you can do with instagram this was like before they got super heavy into video and reels and whatnot um mm -hmm. so it was less of an educational platform and more of just a like look at me kind of platform so um i decided to start making videos to kind of actually like show everything that i'm doing rather than just like you know a pretty like freeze frame um which is not what brewing is as most home brewers are fully aware yeah. um there's a lot of mistakes <laughs> that happen a lot of weirdness a lot of spills a lot of so much cleaning Fortunately so for you guys, I keep cleaning. the cleaning out of the videos. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I'm coming up. I actually, um, I just, re I don't even know if I posted it, but I did just kind of engineer my way into like a keg washer. Oh, um, wow. It's like, you can use like one gallon of water and like clean like five kegs up with it. And so it's like one gallon of like your PBW and then a gallon of water and then a gallon of star sand and like you're done. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm like, I'm like, trying to uh kind of figure out like where i want to go in brewing and i think like 
water conservation is like a huge thing I'm thinking about now because I'm in California and like yeah. I'm in water restrictions now. Mm-hmm. So anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, I yeah, I switched to YouTube because I thought it would be um, an easier way to um, make it more educational versus just like you know you know what Instagram is. It's like a photo of beer, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it just kind of blew up from there. I mean, I most of my YouTube success, I think, spawns from the fact that I started with a huge Instagram following. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's it's grown really rapidly. Uh, so yeah, it's fun. I'm, it's it. My one goal in life is to try to keep up with the content production for YouTube. Everything else is like I don't care about doing, <laughs> but like YouTube, I'm just like I I feel a draw to like keep making content and uh yeah. yeah just like put it out for everyone that, that's awesome and i'm actually glad you mentioned the water conservation because i always feel so guilty chilling my beer um because like yeah i've got one of those immersion chillers and you know i what i've started doing is i've got a 20 gallon cooler that i'm filling up with the hot water and waiting to cool down and then like hauling it over to the grass but even then oh, yeah. i just feel so like bad about how much water I just used to chill five gallons down oh my god yeah and when I was brewing in the apartment it's like I didn't have anywhere to put the water like unless I was brewing outside but I was on the second floor apartment so like (laughs) lugging that much water up and down the stairs it's like I can water my house plants but not that much um so (laughs) yeah huge waste yeah basically (laughs) um but yeah I mean I use a a plate chiller now and you know I say all this stuff about water conservation I have a swimming pool yeah but so I just like put the water in the swimming pool and I, I feel like a total hypocrite <laughs> I, I do that with the hot tub though like I'll, I'll top up the hot tub yeah. and I was like all right at least then I don't feel too bad about this yeah it's like it's at least going somewhere it's like I would have to fill it anyway so yeah two uses <laughs> Um, so when you're when you're approaching like your topics uh, for your videos, um, I just watched the one you did with uh, the kit, uh, which made me smile because I haven't used a kit in years. And you're like, it comes all pre-measured. I'm like, that actually sounds really nice. It's um, so nice. <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do you approach like the the recipes that you're doing for your videos? Are you thinking seasonally, or is it just? I really want to make a crazy lime whatever beer and that's what I'm going to present to people. Um, it definitely just kind of goes with my moods. Um, I have like zero content calendar. So it's basically like, what beer should I make this week? And I'll like talk to my husband. It's like, what beer do you want to drink soon? He's like, a stout. And I'm like, I don't want to make a stout. Think it, of something it's else. It's too hot. Like, yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's just, like, it's either I start with, like, a base style I want to make. So, like, trying something new or if I want to make something Belgian just because, like, that's what I'm feeling like I want to drink at any given time. Mm-hmm. Or um, I can also start from ingredients. So I, um, like, well, my, my lo- lime pseudo lager, I was like, I want to make, like, Bud Light Lime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The only home and brewer who does. <laughs> it's it's like a summer beer, and I'm like, I want something that like I can give to all my neighbors, and I know they'll all like it. Cause everyone likes Bud Light Lime secretly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they do actually. Um, so, uh, 
so yeah, that's where that spawned from. But the most recent beer I made that I haven't put out yet, um, well, I have two actually. Um, and one is a honey blonde and I just made that because my stepdad's a beekeeper in Texas and I had like a couple pounds of his honey lying around and I'm like, I don't really use a ton of honey in Mm -hmm. anything. So it's like, why not make a beer out of it? Um, so that I was just like, honey goes with blonde. It's just like, that's what you have to do with honey. Um, it's like that or something dark, but I like, I really wanted to taste the honey in it because the honey he gets like this batch was really weird. It was like fall honey. So it was almost molasses like, Mm. um, versus like the spring honey is much lighter and more floral. Yeah. And the next beer I made, actually, I was like, I am obsessed with drinking ginger beer. Like ginger beer and root beer are my go-tos like when I'm not drinking beer. So I'm like, I've made ginger beer before, but what about making a gingery beer? Hmm. So I just <laughs> threw a crap ton of like blended up ginger and lime zest and some lime juice yeah. and threw it in uh, the base recipe for my pseudo lime lager. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see how that turns out. Yeah. I assume it'll be summery and fun. <laughs> how much? Because I've tried making a gingery beer before. I was really inspired by... Um... I think it was Left Hand's Good Juju, which is a ginger. It's a beer with a lot of ginger in it. Oh, yeah. I haven't had that, but it's, I love Left Hand. It's really good. I want to, and apologies to the brewery if it's not Left Hand. Um, how much ginger did you put in? Because I tried it once and I barely got any ginger. And I used, I used really? a fair amount. I yeah. I feel like I did a lot. Let me look it up. I have my brew father open. Yeah. Uh, let's see if I actually wrote it down. It's a crapshoot with me sometimes. And just just for everyone wondering, my dog Poe is visiting the brew pub today, apparently. So, uh... <laughs> oh my gosh, I did not even put in how much. <laughs> it's in the video. It's in the video. I oh swear. good. Oh my god. Well, everyone, keep an eye out for yeah. that video, and we can find out how much ginger was used. I think it was at least a pound. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And I, I, um, I threw it in like the blender. Mm-hmm. So just to try to break it down, and I, I put it in. Um, I threw it in hot side, but after I cut the heat, so it wasn't in a ton of time. Yeah. But I think it was enough. It definitely smelled like ginger. Okay. So. Yeah, because mine, mine didn't. That should have been my first clue. Yeah, I was like, I'm gonna go overboard with this. I'm only making a five gallon batch, so may as yeah. well. <laughs> Because what size do you normally make then? I'm I've switched to ten gallons. I have a twenty gallon kettle now. Um, so I try to make ten gallons as much as possible, just so I have enough to like package and then like have a keg on tap. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm to the point where I've made too much beer, so I'm running out of kegs. So now I'm like trying to like scale down a little bit and get through some of this beer. Yeah. I, I've been going through that cycle of um, I filled up all my kegs and I didn't have anything and then it was like they just all started kicking at the same time so up until mm-hmm. yesterday I had 20 gallons fermenting in my home office um, but I kegged two of them before work yesterday so uh, I'm now just waiting for the other two kegs to kick so I can fill those up now as well yeah that's the thing and like trying to keep up with like I'm trying to empty my fermenters like after like two weeks because Mm -hmm. it's just like I have 
I have two pressurized fermenters in LA and I have like, I have a glycol system that can run two and then one of the, my 14 gallon fermenter has its own cooling system. But like if I don't have both pressurized and cooling it's it's like 120 degrees in my garage oh wow uh so so kvike yeah oh yeah i use a ton of <laughs> kvike um uh yeah that's what i actually used with my um my medusa um that i just brewed in chicago um it's the escarpment labs crispy it's mm-hmm. really great for making like a pseudo lager yeah. um yeah it's it's pretty crazy <laughs> I was gonna say because I I've not you I've only used Kvike a couple of times and I want to say I used the only one that's standing out to me is a Sati I made a long time ago and it was really kind of fun, but I've heard people using Kvike for um, pseudo lagers, which is so funny when you think about what lager is supposed to be. Oh yeah, like it's, cold it's... and yeah, it's really funny too. It's like I mean my. Uh... My pseudo lime lager, the last batch I made, I used English ale yeast. Really? I just did it under pressure. Yeah. And I fermented at like 68 degrees and under pressure. There was um a, a lot more fermentation character in this one than the one that I made with Crispy. Um, I did a side-by-side comparison, but I thought I, thought I liked the SO4 better. But my neighbors definitely were like, mm, I don't know about this one. <laughs> <laughs> the um the cheeky pint I'm having uh for my lunch uh which is this lovely one here this is um a beer that one of the earlier guests came on uh and it's an Argentinian summer ale and it has like Ooh. SO4 in it it's a really simple beer um which has like just two grains I think it's like mainly Pilsner and then a little bit of Crystal and then one hop addition I always get it wrong I think it's Cascade could be wrong on that and then it's so4 and it's just really light and fruity and almost lager like even though it's totally ale temperature yeah that's that's basically my recipe except i just do um i don't even use any crystal it's just two row and uh pilsner and i use half and half for uh my lagery stuff nice so before we get into the the beer you will add to our tap list what advice do you tend to give new homebrewers um, you're gonna make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like the thing is, like, I stressed out so much when I was starting brewing, and I went through so many different things to try to like make a decent beer. And one thing I found is that if you control your fermentation temperature, you'll pretty much always make a good beer. Mm-hmm. It's like it's when you get an 80 degree fermentation that you get that what they call homebrew tang <laughs> and it's gross the homebrew tang oh you don't miss that oh god it's the worst flavor ever i think that's why i stopped actually making like super hoppy beers because after like having that bitterness mm-hmm. like all i could think is like anytime a beer was bitter that it was like that terrible fermentation on taste. <laughs> so I've like cut back my IVs a ton but um yeah I'm that's my go-to advice and I feel like a lot of like most people don't talk about it enough or mm-hmm. like don't stress how important it is um yeah because like 
I mean, now that Kvike is more readily accessible, like it's way easier to like control within a acceptable range, especially for Kvike, because you can ferment at 80 degrees and it'll be great. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, don't don't ferment English ale yeast at a <laughs> over 70 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> that's that, that's a bad probably... idea. Oh man, I normally pitched around 75, but uh, I throw it down in my thing. Apparently, if you pitch and then cool, it's no. fine. Yeah, yeah. I... you can pitch warm and then cool for the rest, and it'll it'll be fine. But it's like as consistent heat is the problem. Apparently, oh, okay. I don't know. It, that's all yeah. science. <laughs> I don't get science. I know. <laughs> it's like I think Brewlosophy might have done like a experiment based on. Uh, pitching temperature versus like static temperature and like how things turn out but yeah. I feel like most of the time you read a brewlosophy thing they're like well we didn't really find a difference <laughs> so... you do. I was gonna say because I remember they did the one uh, they did an experiment with lager yeast of cold fermentation versus warm fermentation and they were like they're both good and I'm like, give me a, yeah. give, like, give me the actual like result because I want to make sure like my lager isn't gonna suck. So I know, and it's like those guys are so good at brewing too. It's like, well, you can do that, and it'll be fine, I'm sure. But if I do that, it's gonna turn out real weird, yeah, real fast. <laughs> I, I do think that uh, there's a good balance of understanding the science, though, and kind of not worrying about it too much because I am not a scientific person. And, like, in your videos, you do a really good job of, like, breaking down, like, what's going on scientifically without, like, getting into, like, and these different enzymes are doing this, and this temperature's doing <laughs> this. Whereas, like, I read Brulosophy, and I'm like, I am back in science class listening to Mr. Weaver, and I don't understand a word of what you're saying. Oh, I know. My, well, my mom's a fifth grade science teacher. Oh, okay. So it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, you know, it's like, I... I'm used to her talking to me about sciencey stuff on a fifth grade level, and I feel like fifth grade <laughs> level is like good. I can I can handle that. <laughs> I love that. And it's like, oh, are we talking about chemistry now? Oh, okay. Yeah, I I failed all of my science exams, so the fact that I do this hobby is kind of ironic. <laughs> yeah, it's the one C I got in high school was in chemistry, and I'm like, how the hell did I end up like? getting into a hobby that is like so chemistry based. Yeah. <laughs> My advice, ignore the chemistry. Just be like, alright, yeah. these grains and hops taste good and, you know, yeah, don't exactly. ferment too hot I mean, or too cold. Beer was being made so long before we understood any of that that it's like, you know, it's just like cooking. Like, mm -hmm. it's the science of cooking. Like, yeah, there is a science behind it, but people have been doing it for hundreds of years, thousands of years, without any science, and it's been fine. As long as the chicken isn't pink in the middle, you're fine. <laughs> no, that's, like, my worst fear. I'm, like, I have such a <laughs> aversion to that. It's, like, I'm, like, probably overcook all my chicken, and it's, like, I have like, multiple meat thermometers. You know, it's just a thing. <laughs> I... The only reason I had a meat thermometer was actually for brewing for the longest time, and then I got a grandfather, yep. so now I can actually use my meat thermometer and my steaks. Yeah, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> my steaks are going my a lot better. Hungry thermometer. <laughs> oh yeah, it's got like the medium, medium well, rare, yeah. like levels on it per temperature, and oh, it's nice. like my husband's like, "That's not real," and I was like, mm, "I can try." <laughs> <laughs> This is the guy who didn't homebrew, so I mean, can we really trust his yeah, opinion on it? Yeah, exactly. 
He does make a good steak, though. <laughs> As we sit here in, in the mystical pub that turns into whatever we wish it to be, what beer are you adding to uh, our ever-growing tap list? I think I have to add my Medusa Pale Ale Ooh. because it is officially a commercial beer, but it is also a homebrew beer. Um, so this is based on my like uh, kind of a standard pale ale recipe. So it's two row, um, some caramel and some aromatic malt. Um, I think like one pound of aromatic, one pound of caramel or something, and like nine pounds of two row for a five gallon batch. Don't mm. quote me on that. I'll <laughs> we can go to the video. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it's just um, a one ounce hop edition at the 15 minute mark. Is that right? That seems so low. <laughs> um, I I did just brew this on a commercial system, and I'm like, I don't know. No, there's more than one hop edition. Oh, okay. There's definitely more than one hop edition. Ah, there's one ounce at the 30-minute mark and one ounce at the five-minute mark. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, so... Um, it's that it's super tropical it's kind of got like the papaya in a fruit cup uh mm -hmm. flavor and aroma um i fermented it with the escarpment labs crispy uh kvike yeast um so it's really just it kind of just lets the hop shine through it's not a ton of yeast um character or anything uh but yeah it's super easy drinking it's delicious and yeah it's like summer beer very nice. All my pale ales kind of are like vaguely lager-like. <laughs> so, <laughs> why why would you say they're all vaguely lager-like? Is that just what you dig? And yeah, yeah, I like a really clean beer mm -hmm. um, without a ton of yeast character um, and like not overly hopped. Yeah. That's my main thing now. Um, the kit that I just did was probably the most hopped beer I've done in a year at least um yeah. it turned out great though um so yeah that's, that's awesome. uh, everyone so, can try it so then i've got to ask and um so i've got to ask where do you stand on the new england ipas then if you like really clean ipas i dug them for a while but i'm finding i'm more of like a west coast ipa person i think mm -hmm. like i like a clear beer i don't know what it is um yeah, and I think, like, they're going to go out of fashion eventually. Yeah. I think, like, because it's, like, it's not that everyone's making great New England IPAs anymore either. It's, like, you know, when it first started, people were, like, actually trying to, like, make something like, incredible. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a completely new flavor. And I really liked um, when the New England IPAs were sweeter. I feel like that's kind of fallen out of fashion and now they're just like super hoppy, but like cloudy. Yeah. And when I see the cloudy, it's like, I want a vague amount of sweetness mm -hmm. to complement the hops. And I don't want just to get punched in the face by hops because like, why not just drink a West coast IPA? Yeah. That? Well, cause I remember when we first started <laughs> and I remember my first one, it tasted like orange juice 
and it was yeah, so sweet yeah. and Why delightful. Why can't we get back to that? Yes, because you're right. They are now <laughs> like, just just hot bombs. And there's a, I won't name the brewery because they are a very good brewery. But there's a brewery here that does make very good like hazy IPAs. But other than their signature, I think they they've gone the exact way that you said because it's like that commercial. Everyone just wants to be kicked in the teeth with hops. Yeah, I don't know. And I have friends who are like that. Um, like ugh, my work wife, she is also like my beer wife to some degree. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's just like, she likes 100 IBUs, like no one's business. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't even taste anything. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just bitter. Just like, yeah, there's no bitter. aroma. There's no like taste to it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like texture. <laughs> so, just going back to the Medusa, why is it called Medusa? Um, it actually uses Medusa hops. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, uh, I Medusa pr- hops are so cool. Yeah, I don't know uh, that I've ever used them. Uh, they're kind of new-ish. Um, so they're a neo Mexicanist variety. So they're native to the Western U.S. Um, mm. versus like being native to Europe, obviously. Um, and with the whole water conservation thing, they actually grow in like New Mexico and uh, drier conditions than like the European varieties can handle. Oh. So I think we'll start seeing a lot more of these neo Mexicanist hops uh, in the commercial space and in the homebrewing space, just because like you can produce them without using so much water and I know like I went up to the hop harvest a few years ago and we were talking to um, the owner of Cornerstone Ranches and we were talking to him about like his need for irrigation he said up until a few years ago I never had to irrigate but now he's having to like water his hops so the climate in I mean Yakima is changing and I I mean I'm on the rainforest side of Washington right now Mm -hmm. so you don't feel it here but it's like Yakima is basically a desert. They call it the Palm Springs of Washington. Oh, no. Um, yeah, and that's where most of it's like between Yakima and Idaho is where most of the hops in the United States are grown. So mm. it's just getting drier and drier. So I think that they'll probably start developing more of these um, like drought tolerant hops just mm-hmm. so that we can keep brewing. Yeah. And the more water. Uh, the hops need the more expensive the hops are going to get uh, especially as water gets more expensive so yeah yeah we're all adapting <laughs> so we can do <laughs> um uh, the, the nervous laughed <laughs> um i was gonna say we are gonna put that um we are gonna put that recipe in our show notes so people can brew and drink along with us but you just did it on a commercial system so is that mm-hmm. um which brewery was that with and is that available everywhere or just in where the brewery is it's so i did it at pilot project so it's um available in illinois um but they don't distribute outside of illinois just apparently distribution in illinois is very complicated with the whole post prohibition distribution system um but yeah i'm hoping to um potentially brew some more um in I mean, I really want to brew in California and Washington because that's just, like, my places. Mm-hmm. Um, and California would be so easy to get to so many different people uh, just because how big the state is. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm hoping to work towards doing more stuff on commercial systems so more Very people can cool. drink my beer. Awesome. 
So we've gone from the beer you're adding to what was the beer that you were like, never again, I shouldn't have even thought about this beer. I have a beer and it's not because it tastes bad, <laughs> but because it's cursed. Okay. <laughs> I've had cursed meat on here before, so this is great. That's hilarious. Um, it's Yeah, it's like, it's one of the first recipes I ever made. It's um, a blueberry sour. And I've done it both, um, like, kettle souring and a long sour. But what happens with this beer in particular is that um, every keg explodes. <laughs> and it only explodes when you have people staying over in the brewery. Fair it enough. It only explodes around 3 a.m. <laughs> I haven't made this beer in like probably six years now because of the explosions. Yeah. Um, but it's funny. It's just like a running joke that like you can't make a blueberry sour or it's, it's, it's like explode. a safety hazard, honestly. <laughs> why, why do you think it's exploding? Is it like secondary fermentation from the fruit or? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. 100% what it is. And um, the, the crazy thing is like, it, the one that I like did a long sour, it was sitting for, it couldn't have been fermenting anymore. It was yeah. sitting for like a year. Oh, wow. And then it exploded. <laughs> like, what? what and it's like the first time someone actually like stayed over in the brewery. Cause like, I mean, my old spare bedroom was a brewery. So like we had to like drag out a mattress and mm -hmm. like move everything out of the way. And it's like, it's. You could have exploded when no one was here. <laughs> I mean, you could have not exploded. <laughs> yes, true, true, true. <laughs> yeah, so... So do you have plans to try and make that again, or are you just like, no, I'm that's cursed, I'm just going to leave that alone? I think I actually should, because now that I have spunding valves, I can actually just, like, set the pressure. <laughs> um, so, like, it won't explode. But, yeah, it's just funny. And it's like, it's not even that uh it, it it's like i don't even know if it was like fully that it was like secondary fermentation but like one of my like the poppets on my kegs failed mm. for one of them it's just like a litany of things i was gonna say that's happening. yeah i didn't even think about the the pop valve yeah yeah, yeah kind of bizarre i don't know <laughs> i think my my worst experience with a spunding valve is because i'm an idiot and i was fermenting a friend's beer here in my office and he had this spunding valve i have like the little red plastic yellow toggle mm -hmm. one and he had like, yeah, I like the... that one. it's great i love it he had the like metal one with like the awkward turn at the end and so i was trying to yeah i have both and i definitely like the plastic one better yeah because you can't set the metal one like it's a pain in the ass and um you know what I found for the metal one? Like mine wouldn't hold pressure at all. Yeah. I um I took it all apart and threw keg lube in it, and mm. it's worked so much better since. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this I was like I was even like writing people. Like I wrote the guys who uh, own Clawhammer. I was like, "How do you use your spunding valve? Because I have the same spunding valve, and I can't get it to work for shit." Like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "I don't know what you're doing." Cool. Well, so Coulter, if you're listening, because it was his spunding valve, um, put some keg lube in it. But 
I couldn't get it to hold pressure. It was a whole thing. And so I was like, all right, I am just going to throw some more gas in this thing. And then I'll just let out with the, the plastic one. And I'm a dumbass. I did it with my nitro tank. So I put 30 pounds of pressure of gas in this. Yeah, your face says it all. And so when I put the spunding valve on and like went to release the gas, beer just foamed out and threw oh, all my over God. my room. Like there's beer on my curtains. It hit my work computer. It hit the bike behind me. And I was like, oh, I'm a dumbass i shouldn't be allowed to do this hobby anymore i um i had something similar happen um it was probably one of the first times i used a spending valve actually successfully um but i made a 10 percent belgian and i made i think i made 12 gallons in a 14 gallon fermenter okay. and i didn't put any like firm cap in it uh i share a garage with my husband and he puts all of his like tools and stuff for work in there and he had his buddies come pick up some stuff and I go and let them into the garage and I'm like oh no it was just like the thickest yeast just oh, no. everywhere you could possibly imagine yeah oh my god I'm like I have so much cleaning to do yeah I have like it's on like probably eight feet high on my wall still I'm just like <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> so spending valves. To model those walls one day. <laughs> <laughs> They're wonderful things, but very easy to go wrong with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pressurized fermentation is definitely dangerous in general. Yeah. I was talking to um, Ben from Spike Brewing because they were developing. They just actually developed a pressure release valve that's kind of like an all-in-one. Mm -hmm. And he was. I was talking to him about um, like using the pressurized spike um, fermenter and whatnot. And he was like, so uh, just like, you've got to be so careful. Like things can go so wrong. Like you can actually like really hurt yourself. And I'm just sitting here like, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've now made me very nervous about the, the beer I'm pressure fermenting <laughs> to my right. <laughs> It's fine. It's been a week. It would have exploded by now, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially with pressurized fermentation. It's done in like three days. It's yeah. fine. I don't understand how it works, but I just love it so much. I have no idea. It's fantastic, though. Yeah. So, as we sit here in, in our mythical pub that turns into whatever pub you want it to be, what is the name of your dream brew pub, and what would its vibe be like? A uh, name. Um, I didn't think of a name. Um, I know what I want to name the brewery, but I don't know if I'm gonna say it. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's Secret Brewery. <laughs> Sarah's Secret. Let's just call it Sarah's Secret Brewery for now. Um, but um, so I'm like a huge plant person uh in my house in LA we have over 100 house plants and oh, wow. then like a full garden in the back and everything so uh any brew pub would just be like covered in house plants and I'm also like super into the 70s and just like set design from the 70s like especially uh like Los Angeles from the 70s mm -hmm. like set design I, I worked for this gallery, and uh, my boss has this amazing 1970s, like, uh, it, it's like a historical house, and she just had it redone to, like, be exactly 
all, like almost exactly like it was when it was first built. Oh, wow. So like the like patterned carpet and it's got a conversation pit and it's just like the coolest thing ever. And I like hers is like very high end seventies, but I always loved <laughs> the like, like living room. Like I just think of my like grandma's living room cause it never really changed. It yeah. was just like, weird stuff on the walls and like weird pattern furniture that doesn't fully make sense. And um, there's a bar in LA that has this complete vibe. It's called Good Times at Davy Wayne's. And um, I just love the, what they did with the design and everything. It's got like an old TV in there and it's like, it's dark, mm-hmm. but it's like cozy. And it's just like couches everywhere. I like couches. I'm not like into hard seats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and like plants. That's that, my vibe. That's awesome. There's a brewery here um, called Grandma's House, which I think you would really dig. It's like that sounds like exactly up my alley. Yeah, it's amazing. They got the old '70s TV and like the '70s couch that has like zero mm-hmm. um, zero give when you sit in it. It's amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds absolutely delightful. Yeah, it's like homey. Yeah. I like homey. And I'm like the kind of person who like can't stop themselves from picking up stuff off the side of the road too. So I just like (laughs) end up with weird pieces like that. Yeah. (laughs) When I was at work the other day, I like was driving around trying to find a parking spot. I'm like, oh my God, I have to have that desk. And I'm like, okay, it like barely fits in my car. I'm just shoving (laughs) it in like, I'm late for work because of this. You're like, sorry, I'm late. I was getting fun. I was getting road furniture. <laughs> I know. And I take I take photos. I'm like, look at what I just found. And we're like, what'd you find? It's like we're all the same in my work. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, everyone, come to Sarah's Secret Brewery. Um, you know, dig the '70s vibe and grab a pint of Medusa and come and have a drink with us. massive thank you to sarah flora for coming on please go check out her instagram go check out her youtube she has amazing videos and amazing content uh, with a lot of great information and of course thank you so much for listening if you could leave us a five-star review wherever it is you get your podcast that'll just help other people find the show if you want to reach out to us possibly come on and share a pint with me you can reach us at our website thehomebrewpub.com or email landlord at thehomebrewpub.com or on social at thehomebrewpub on Instagram and Twitter. And if, like me, you hate those annoying ads, well, we've got to keep the lights on here at the Homebrew Pub somehow. So consider joining our Patreon and becoming a Mug Club member. For $3 a month, you'll get access to ad-free versions of the episodes. But until then, grab your favorite pint, put your feet up, relax, Don't worry, and have a homebrew. Till next time, cheers.